Good morning. I really do feel like I should be singing this morning, taking a song a little bit out of context, but you know the Pointer Sisters song that I'm so excited and I think I like it, and I'm about to lose control when I think I like it. Woo! I hope I don't lose control this morning, but I am excited to be back with all of you at Mom's. I am a mom, just like you. I'm not perfect, and I do not have perfect kids, though they are great kids. Just like you, I struggle, and I have feelings of inadequacy. I sometimes feel as if I'm in over my head, yet I always know that the Lord is not going to give me more than what I can handle. I desire to have a lasting relationship with him and with others. I desire to leave a legacy, a heritage from my children, from my grandchildren, and for those that I love. Today, we are really digging into Old Testament roots, the words that were God-breathed to Moses for the nurturing and the training up of our children The words were written for the Israelites, but you know, they were also written for us in today's world. As parents, we have to take scripture seriously. The happy heart portion of today's verse is Deuteronomy 6, verses 8 through 9, and it reads, Tie the commandments as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads, Write them on the door frames of your homes and on your gates. When I look at scripture and I really dig to see what it's going to tell me, I always look at the verbs. I never knew, being a high school sophomore, that those sentence diagramming skills were going to be so handy as a believer and trying to teach God's word to my children In Deuteronomy 6, verses 8 through 9, we have three verbs. We have the verb tie, we have the word bind, and we have the verb write. And God is saying that he wants us to tie, bind, and write his words, which are the scripture, which is also called the law. To tie and to bind and to write takes time. And time is what we have to spend with our children if we want to give them a legacy, a heritage. You know, we have to have the Lord springing forth in our hearts first before we can teach it to our children. And when we hear the word of God and and we receive it, the Holy Spirit starts a transformation process going from the inside out. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand the Word of God, and then he helps us to live the Word of God. The first people to witness that transformation is, guess who? Our babies. Oh, moms, we have to walk our talk because those little ears and little eyes really hear and really see what we are doing 1 Thessalonians 2.13 tells us that we have to be thankful that we have received the word of God because it will work within us. And then 2 Corinthians 3 verses 1 through 3 encourages us to live out the word of God in our lives. And then furthermore, John 17 reminds us that the world hates Christians because our values differ 
from the world point of view. We are to be set apart, and when we obey the word of God, we are an accusation against what the world is doing. We are set apart. We're supposed to be sanctified by the Spirit, which means that we will be growing and changing. It's a process that we will begin to live differently from the rest of the world. And you know, not one mom in this room can actually say that she does not want to live a more fulfilling life as a mom and as a wife and as a child of God. In the days of Christ, the Jews, and today with the Hasidic Jews, they used to bind small portion of scriptures and they would put them on their foreheads or they would put them on their upper left arm. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. It's called a phylactery. And then they also would take scripture and bind it and put it beside their doorway, and they call that a mezuzah. Hasidic Jews do both of these today. And each person who walked into the house would reverently touch that mezuzah and homage the Lord, saying that they honored him, and they were going to obey his law within this home it's really an age-old custom that is to be much respected. And can you imagine how our houses would be different if we did this? Also, Deuteronomy 6, verses 8 through 9, tells us that we are to write scripture above our doorways. I have an artist friend who actually did that. She wrote scripture over every doorway in her home It is simply beautiful to walk into her home. Sometimes it's very, very small. Sometimes it's just on the corner. But it's just simply stunning. We can do the same thing in our homes today, although in in smaller ways. We can show respect for the Bible and its word, showing others we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it goes first to the Jew and then to the Gentile, which is Romans 1.16. I just love how the Old Testament and the New Testament, they just sort of bind together like puzzle pieces. They just fit and they support each other. In our home, we have this portion of scripture in every room. It goes from little tea towels in the bathroom or in the kitchen to I have a plethora of crosses all over the house. And I just started collecting red books, um, old hymnals, old Bibles, anything that I can find that is an old book. I, I just, I really, really love it. It just means a lot to me to have something of the Lord to show others that we honor him within our homes. On our front door is a post-it note. And I have to rewrite it several times because it gets faded and it falls off. And I think one painter took it home after he left our house. And it was really funny because I didn't, I noticed it whenever he left that this post-it note was gone off the door. And I thought, oh my gosh, I wonder if he thought that I put that on the door for him. And it's from Acts 10, and then Hebrews 13. I said, oh my gosh, what is he thinking that I put that on the door for him? But the scripture and the pencil on the door are in reference to Cornelius. The Cornelius was a Roman centurion, and he was a very righteous and God-fearing man, and he was very respected among the Jews and the Gentiles. And an angel come to him in a dream and told him they had to have Peter come to his home because Peter had a lot to tell him. So when Cornelius is 
men go to tell Peter this. And the next day, Peter and the disciples and all the centurions went back to Cornelius' home. And scripture tells us that Peter greeted him with reverence. So that's what this little post-it note says. It says, Acts 10.25, that Cornelius greeted Peter with reverence. Do we greet those with reverence who come to our door? And then as I have Hebrews 13.2, do not forget to entertain strangers because sometimes we are entertaining angels unaware. The doors of our home take us to the outside world. But then the doors are a home also that the world come inside to our homes. We have to pray that our words and our actions reflect the Lord. And we need to be governed by his wisdom. His word of God needs to be evident within our home. You know, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 that we've been talking about today, and it's going to be our our key verse for the entire year, and sharing our legacy and to get a legacy within our own families. It's not a suggestion from the Lord. It is a command from God. He does not force his will upon us. He lets us decide whether to to follow him or... Or to reject him. You know, moms, he wants us to follow him more than anything in the world. He wants to choose he wants us to choose him and then to live a life of obedience to his word. And role modeling for our children is going to be the single most important role that we will ever have. As we choose to have a relationship with the Lord and we write his word and then we display it within our house, it reveals three relationships that our children really need to have. Our children need to have a relationship with the Lord. Matthew 22, verses 37 through 38 is an echo of Deuteronomy 6 because it says to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. This is the first and the greatest commandment. A key point in having a relationship with the Lord is reading your Bible and scripture memorization. The second relationship that our children need is relationship with others. And it's furthering on in Matthew 22, verse 39, that Jesus says the second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. A key point in making friends, and we need to share it with our children, is to be honest and to be trustworthy. And as Sarah has already shared with us, to be forgiving The third relationship that our children need is one between the parent and the child. Ephesians 6, 4 challenges us that we are not to exasperate our children, but instead bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. You know, some days it is so hard to be reasonable and to be flexible. And when we get exasperated, we have all been there, that is sure. It's just not displaying the love the Lord has for us. He gets just as exasperated with us as we get with our children. We need to ask his help to be patient, to never compare our children whatsoever, and not to play favorites. A key point in parenting, and if you get nothing else, have a happy heart today. I pray that you get this. And that as parents, we are not to use our words to argue or to complain. We are to use our words to encourage 
and to build our children up. We want our homes to be a haven, not a minefield or a prison. We have to have clear and reasonable home rules along with set consequences before we need them. Our children need to know what is expected of them, and they need to know perimeters of what is right and what is wrong. Each morning when I walk into the kitchen, I have this 24-year-old, old focus on the family calendar. You can tell that it's old. But I've been turning its pages for 24 years. And I just, I love it. I mean, it's how I have remembered so many things because I've been doing it for 24 years. But when I read August the 12th, I knew I would be sharing it today with you all. And it reads, a child desperately needs the security of a strong parental leadership. That is legacy, point blank. And the verses I say of 43.1, but now the Lord who created you says, don't be afraid. For I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Oh, moms. Do you not see? We are a child of the Lord. We're his children. And we need to make that personal decision to follow him. And our children, whenever they make that personal decision, they will be his children too. We are his, and he calls us by name. He knows every hair on our head. He knows every thought before we ever, ever speak it. Because we're his, we need to know how to call out to him. When our children were toddlers, Steve and I came up with what we call toddler spiritual warfare. Do it with me, please. When our kids were had a bad dream, or they were just afraid, or Steve or I could not be with them, we asked them just to hold out their hand. Join me. And then I told him to say the word Jesus. 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 Over and over. Until they felt his peace. Until they felt his presence. We cannot see Jesus' face as Moses did almost 3,000 years ago. And we will not feel the rushing wind like the early believers did at Pentecost. But we can feel his presence and feel his peace within our soul. When our hearts are deeply traumatized, spiritual warfare learned at our knees will help our children get through any trial. And it's so simplistic. Hold out your hand, say Jesus' name, until you feel at peace. That's it in a nutshell. From my heart to yours. I pray that you leave a legacy of the Word of God to your children. And if you're thinking, yeah, I'd like to do that, well, I have two ways on how you can do that today. Number one is to write scripture on note cards. Hang one on the fridge, post one on the bathroom mirror, and rubber band a few more and stick them in the car. Have you thought about whenever you're at a stoplight? Read one of those scriptures. Mom, stay off your phone when you're in the car with your children. They're going to be going to college before you know it, and you wish you had them in the cars to be able to read that scripture card at the stoplight. It's a wondrous thing to do with your kids. You know, it it takes a child under the age of five, only five days to learn to have it. 
After the age of six, it takes all of us 21 days to learn a new habit. So it's never too late to start, but it's best to start young. Use this small part of your day to impart your legacy to your children while you're in the car. You know, the Word of God is active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. And when it's firmly entrenched within our heart, we are armed for battle to get through anything. The second thing that you can do in starting a legacy with your children is keep your Bible open somewhere in your house. You're going to hear me say that each and every month in Happy Heart because I believe so strongly about it. When we take the initiative to present our legacy before our children in actions and words, it is going to be followed. And you know, whenever we go and we read his word and we underline something, we might just stop and just pray and just think about what his word is teaching us. Our children are watching what we're doing. Here's a little parenting tip. And it works. If your children are having a temper tantrum or they're acting unruly, sometimes just downright disgusting, or they want to argue, turn and walk away and calmly go in to where your Bible is and just open it up and just read. Your kids are going to follow you because they want to argue or they're being unruly. So they're going to follow you to see what you're doing. Don't look over your shoulder because it sort of ruins the whole effect. They will follow you. To see what you are going to be doing. You know, character is what we are when no one is looking. And we, take, we cannot take our children any farther than what we have gone ourselves. So we need to pass a calm heart and gentle words to our children instead of an argumentative spirit. Our actions and words are more often caught than taught. And our children are very, very sensitive to hypocrisy, and they out us fast, that is for sure. Wise parents share their highs and lows with their kids, within reason, that is, of how the Lord has worked in their lives and how he is working in their lives. I feel that the Bible is the only parenting book that you will ever need. I call the book of Colossians in the New Testament the Family Daily Guidebook. It's only four chapters. In most Bibles, it's one and a half to two pages in length. That's all it is. But you know, there's wisdom there to last a lifetime in those four chapters and two pages. The spiritual training of our children is our responsibility. It's no one else's. And if there's an oversight or there's disobedience in your home, you've got to nip it in the bud as fast as you possibly can. Teachers and coaches and pastors and other instructors are not responsible for giving our children biblical knowledge and teaching them to pray or memorizing scripture with them. That is our responsibility. All those other people are our support personnel to help us and to enforce getting the job done. When you peruse the Moms magazine... And you see my two happy heart pages. This year we're going to have something different. It's going to say family devos. And every month I'm going to give you two activities that you can carry out with your family. The first one is going to be share the story with two very simplistic questions. They can be used for toddlers all the way to teenagers. And the second one is to start tying to binding those words and writing out scripture. 
I pray that you leave a legacy with your children that's based upon the Word of God. Keep your Bibles open. Bind your tie, those written verses, the cards together, and memorize them as a family. God is in control. Trust him to show you the path to follow. When we have a relationship with him, there's no more me. There's no more I. There's only he. And that's the way that it's got to be. Because you know, you water and you wait. You'll see.